0: The Gucci Girl, Prada Professional, Coach Queen, or Target Trendsetter. No matter how you describe her, she's the most powerful consumer in the country. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Ritan, president at Lola Red, as she chats with those in the know so that your business can grow. Now, please welcome our host of Purse Strings, Maria Ritan.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings right here every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Each and every week you'll learn how you and your company can quarter the market on the most powerful consumer in the country. That would be the 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending. The woman, of course. Well, you'd have to have been living under a rock not to have seen all the online videos and all the press around ALS. Uh, ice Bucket ALS um, you may be very familiar with it in fact you may have participated yourself I have to admit I have not yet I have not been nominated uh, but if I were I probably would do it just saying anyway uh, basically you duck ice, ice water over your head and then you turn around and you nominate someone else or up to three people to do the, the very same thing within 24 hours If they don't, you have to donate $100 to ALS Research. Now, this all comes um, kind of in an effort to support former NFL New Orleans Saints player Steve Gleason. Now, Steve has ALS, young man, very young man to have ALS. He's been working with Microsoft to develop software and features for those afflicted with ALS. In fact, he uses the Microsoft Surface tablet along with the Tobii eye tracking technology to communicate, and of course... Um, our favorite, the head of Microsoft, was one of the first people to put uh, ice water over his head, and it's just kind of taken on a life of its own. In fact, so far, up to almost $16 million has been raised in this effort, and it continues. Now, keep in mind, last year, ALS, that an effort to do fundraising, Was just a few million dollars. So this was clearly incredibly successful. The latest ice bucket shenanigans to make some hay has been Ben Affleck. He um, grabbed his wife, Jennifer Garner, um, got ice dumped over his head, uh, and that's after Tyler Perry challenged him to do so. Ben Affleck turned around and challenged Jimmy Kimmel and Neil Patrick Harris, among others, uh, to do the same. And not only are these celebrities getting involved, they're also donating dollars as well. Um, So it's just not their participation, which of course stimulates all kinds of buzz uh, for others to do so, but they're also contributing some very real dollars to the effort. You know, as we look at nonprofits and their challenge to really raise dollars, a lot of nonprofits may be looking at what ALS is doing and saying what 's our ice bucket what 's our great idea you know these sometimes take on uh, and Take off and sometimes they don't. Uh, whatever ALS has done to stimulate this and clearly getting the right people involved is a large part of that. Socializing it across social media is another part of that. It clearly is working and what a fen- phenomenal cause. So I, I do recommend you get involved. Keep your eye on this. It will be interesting to see how other nonprofits also jump on this bandwagon. But um, at the end of the day, happy to see ALS uh, be so successful in its effort. Well, our purse profile today is the Target This is one of our favorites. Um, as you know, each and every week we take a deep dive into a specific consumer segment. This focus, of course, is on mom. And there's uh, up to about 10 million of these women out there in the U.S. today, medium income of about $90,000, um, around 40 years old. Uh, Almost a fourth of them, or excuse me, a third of them are college grads, um, 24% are homemakers. They consider themselves extremely hopeful and uh, entrepreneurial. They're happy with their life. They see themselves as optimistic. How they spend their time is more important to them than how they spend their money, uh, they put their family first, of course. Um, children should be allowed to express themselves as their philosophy, and they do indulge their kids with little extras. They do shop all the time. Now, oftentimes it's because they need to be shopping for something specific, but they also shop even without having to make a purchase. It's just kind of a bit of a sport for them. They keep up with changes in styles and fashions, and they do change out brands for novelty. They are seeking out deals, however, not necessarily brands, and they will shop local. Um, they will shop based on price, they'll shop based on coupons, and, of course, they go to the beloved clearance rack, too, when they enter the store. Uh, again, those kids do shop, um, shop along with them and, therefore, have a lot of influence on what they purchase. Um, so one of the things they do struggle with, though, is money, as many of us have that struggle. Um, and they really do want to have security around their lives. They don't like the idea of being in debt, although they do want to save more money. They do struggle with that. So where are they shopping? They're shopping at Lands Inn, Old Navy, Dress Barn, Gap are also big. Um, You know, they're driving Volkswagen, Honda, GMC Dodge, and Chrysler. Um, If you're a marketer, you know, you're going to intersect with her in large part on a lot of family friendly sites, whether it's parenting magazine or reading Red Book, real simple, first for women. Uh, But they're also on Nickelodeon, Disney sites. Uh, They're getting their news at CBS and MSNBC um, and CoolSavings.com is also big with them. Uh, Their HUTV, um, uh, ABC Family are also big as well as Lifetime Food Network and the E Channel. So... uh, our guest today knows a lot about women. Uh Samantha Ski is the CRO and CMO of She Knows. Now She Knows is a lifestyle media platform dedicated to women, all things women. Uh they reveal a lot of insights on women and technology, and in fact that's why Samantha's on today to talk about a white paper uh called The Like Cycle. Um really insightful white paper looking at women across generations and also um, whether they're employed or not and uh, really great insights coming out of that. Samantha, before joining, she knows, was CRO for Recycle Bank. She actually built the revenue model from the ground up there. And then she helped develop Riddler, which is one of the web's first real-time multiplayer reward-based gaming sites and interactive imaginations. And she's even worked at Walt Disney, CNET, and was CMO at Passenger Inc. Uh, really excited to have her on to talk about the like cycle. So stick around more when Purse returns after the break.
0: Purse we'll be right back Add a word from our advertisers.
2: Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at InternetMarketingNinjas.com.
0: Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Ritan.
1: Welcome back to the show. My guest today is Samantha Ski. She's the CRO and CMO of She Knows, which is a women's lifestyle media platform. And Samantha has a long and illustrious career at many large companies, including Walt Disney, CNET, Passenger Inc., as well as Recycle Bank. And now she's at She Knows, and she's on the program today. Welcome Welcome to the show, Samantha.
3: Thanks so much.
1: Well, first... In case someone has not heard of She Knows, please talk a little bit about that and your role there because you have a very interesting combined role as CRO and CMO.
3: Yeah, okay. So She Knows is a lifestyle platform for women. We focus on providing content around the things women really love. So their passions in food, home, parenting or children, family, beauty, lifestyle in general, Um, fitness is big with us, and the platform allows women to both create and share content about these passions, and the CRO, CMO, hybrid title really speaks to my responsibility to both generate the audience um, and then to monetize the audience, which is pretty, probably pretty common, I guess, nowadays with digital media. But that's us. That's She Knows. Yes.
1: And that's a big job, too, not only to get get the eyeballs, but to convert them and, um, and get them to take action. One of the yes. things I've always been impressed with about She Knows is you do really do um, have quite the research team there. You're always coming out with insights. Um and one of them caught my eye a while back. It was marketing to like likable moms, which at mm-hmm. first blush I'm like, Likable moms? Well <laughs> <laughs> Aren't all moms likable?
3: As opposed to the less likable moms. Right, (laughs)
1: which, I don't know, on some days I probably feel like the less likable mom. But uh, but that's actually not what it is. Um, No. Right, right. So it's more like likable as in, I love this, the like cycle. So talk a little bit about what you mean by the like cycle.
3: Okay, well, so... Um so the the like cycle for us is this process that many of our users go through, whereby they spend their their. They're sort of off time, their fun time liking things that, that speak to them, that inspire them, that delight them. And they give out likes, in many cases, very generously. And, and their liking process is really part of their identity production. They also really like to be liked. So that's where it becomes a cycle. Sort of the more lo- likes you toss out, the more you tend to care about um, receiving that feedback loop of liking from others or likability from others, so that's the, it's a little double entendre in that we're we're referring to the like cycle of you know sort of liking your peers and their their the products that they are promoting, um, the desire to be liked uh, or to be you know to receive positive social feedback online, and then we're also referring to um, the power of the uh, the sort of the mom who is capable of generating likes, that power and how it's. Best- bestowed upon the brands that they follow. So it's, it's, we got, we're trying to say a lot in yeah, that line. Yeah,
1: it is, it is. And you're right, it's a great double entendre. But um, it has kind of become the the street cred, if you will, of, mm-hmm. of the mom, right? Those likes, Absolutely. which is so interesting. And you did look at four groups of moms. So you did mm-hmm. you kind of delineated based on did they work or did they stay at home and work? Because I always like to mm-hmm. say they're still working yep. if they stay at home. Yep. And then exactly. you've got your millennial and your Gen Xer. So why were you specifically looking at those groups?
3: Well, we were looking at, I guess, our one of the things that we like to play with that she knows is um, the different communities that form within within sort of our our larger communities. So um, moms are often perceived as one psychographic or demographic, and that's, you know, not too surprising, especially when it comes to marketing. You talk about marketing to moms. And so we were thinking about the differences between moms, that big, bigger, sort of semi-large groups of moms might um, exhibit. So uh, those who are working as employment, whether they're working from home or from an office space, had certain behaviors that were consistent that they shared with each other Um, we refer to the stay-at-home mom which is the stay-at-home not employed mom as another sub segment and she shared a lot of behaviors with others who shared that profile and that was was an interesting one for us we started out actually just looking at millennials versus um, Gen Xers because we saw a lot of differences in terms of their perceptions of technology and the utility of technology Um, but then we found that there were there were some anomalies that were better explained if we looked at um, women who were working for a salary versus those who were not, and so those that's why we came up with those four sub segments of moms.
1: Yeah, and I would think there would be slightly different nuanced behaviors because we're spending our day differently. If we're working yep. from 9 to 5 or whatever, um, even though we may still be on social media, it is going to be kind of a different cadence for sure.
3: And what yep, we value exactly. may be
1: different. So let's, let's break it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, at a broad stroke you found many you found a lot out of this clearly we only have a half hour so we can't get into everything but what were the biggest differences between working and stay at home non-working moms
3: the biggest difference that we saw was just that working moms were really trying to eke everything out of their technology experience Um, they did more of many types of social activity online so heavier users of not surprisingly of of LinkedIn YouTube, heavier users of Facebook even Um, they were more likely to use um, two screens so they're more likely to be leaning forward and sort of actively requesting information from advertisers while watching ads on TV or sort of doing incremental um, research on a program while they're watching it Um, so that was a something that I could we could kind of visualize in the working mom. Stay at home moms were um, well from a social perspective were, you know, very likely to document their friends and their family. They um, were impressively less likely than any other sub segment to give up Sex or dessert, (laughs) which we thought was kind of cool. I love that. Um, Yeah. So there, um, but the real—I mean—I think the difference overall was the dependence upon technology was far stronger for the working mom. That was probably the most operative um, realization we came to in terms of defining the, the the mentality of the working mom.
1: Yeah, and that makes sense. I'm a working mom, so I can totally get that. And in fact, when I was reading through your the results, of course, I'm beaming it all back on myself. I'm like, "Yep, check that box." Yep, check that yep. Box. Check that box. <laughs> uh, and that kind of comes down to the differences you found between millennial and Gen X moms and yep. some of what they value. Talk a little bit about that.
3: Sure. Well, so millennials um you know they they grew up with a lot more technology than their Gen X counterparts and so you know I find it maybe less magical than those who who find the advent of the smartphone so game changing. Um so millennials were kind of less less likely to be super impressed by technology. Um also claimed to be a bit more likely to find technology stressful and um and sort of distracting, um, millennials were much more likely to follow brands online and to interact with brands in general, so brands who were not personal friends or, or acquaintances, um, but also more likely to find advertising um, irritating online. So, the Xer moms or extras in general, were um, more brand loyal, had fewer brands that they followed on a regular basis, um, more open to advertising. So that's kind of that's a little bit of a that seems like a just like a bit of a of a um juxtaposition, I guess, or or a count. you know, it seems a little counterintuitive that the women who were most irritated by advertising are also the most mm-hmm. likely to follow brands, and that's the the millennials. Um, but I guess the the one of the things that of strongest um, insights we gleaned from this study was that millennials really expect technology and all technology experiences to be highly relevant. So, um, for example, don't show me an ad that is not age appropriate, that doesn't understand that I live in, you know, an urban zip code and that I don't have a car. You know, you should know these things about me <laughs> if you're doing proper proper tracking and targeting. So, I, And um, where Xers were... You know, less, um, less irritable about, about, uh, relevance, but also less likely to open themselves up to multiple, um, contact points. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and, and, you know, you've talked a little bit about the various effects technology has had. So whether it's irritating or, or stressful, but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I'm sure, all groups thought there were advantages for sure. Yes. And then yeah. there were distinct probably disadvantages. Can you kind of interrogate that a little bit more?
3: Sure, sure. The advantages were really um really visible with moms who felt like they could be in two places at once, that they could <laughs> excuse me, that they could balance their life much better by virtue of having sort of additional screens or you know, if their smartphones in particular are very um Really, they're very attached to them. Um, the benefit was also to maintaining connections and being able to live a more fulfilled life. In fact, <laughs> So um, lots of lots of strong positives. Lots of sort of references to the smartphone as as something of a lightsaber. Um, the downsides were just you know concerns about um, missing out on you know eye to eye, hand to hand communication, um, some concerns about parenting with technology. But again, every concern was balanced with a strong positive. So um, so it, it shows overall, I guess, uh, just a, you know that, that moms think quite a bit about how they're using technology to enhance their lives and those of their children and that they're trying to make very careful decisions.
1: Yeah, I, exactly. And I think we only have so much time in the day, right, to either spend right. it on social with friends, interacting with family, and it all we kind of all have to decide how we're going to spend that bucket of time. Um, We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk specific to social platforms because you saw some things skewing across your four four moms groups. So we're going to tackle that with Samantha when Purse Strings returns in just a moment.
0: Purse we will be right back after a word from our advertisers.
2: Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords... What you need is authoritylabs.com. BubbleFast burst onto the e-commerce scene as a family-owned shipping supply provider back in 1999. The product line has grown, but Mark and Robin still own and operate BubbleFast as a family business. Being sellers themselves has taught them what online sellers need to safely and affordably deliver their products to their customers. BubbleFast is proud to be an active member of the community of online sellers. Mark and Robin sponsor seller meetup groups, share shipping tips and tricks through social media, and always love talking to customers and helping solve shipping challenges. Check out the website at bubblefast.com. Sign up for the Bubble Briefs newsletter to join the Bubble Fast family. Use promo code WMR to get a 5% discount or call Mark and Robin at 877 599 7447. Happy shipping from Mark and Robin at Bubble Fast.
0: When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line ptc professionals personal professional ppc services ppcprofessionals.com her strings is back with the inside track on today's women once again here's maria Rita.
1: I've been chatting today with Samantha Ski, CRO and CMO at Knows, a women's lifestyle media platform, and we've been talking about a white paper they created called Marketing to Likeable Moms, looking at four groups of moms, working, stay-at-home, millennial, and Gen Xers, and kind of their reaction to... Uh, technology and lots of really great insights. Um, one of the things that I know you looked at were social platforms and mm-hmm. how women of all ages are represented across your various platforms. Some are trending, other younger than others. Talk a little bit about what you found as far as platform involvement and how those differ across generations and employment.
3: Sure. So first looking at millennial moms um, versus Gen X moms, we, we did find that, not surprisingly, millennial moms were more actively participating on most social networks. So specifically on YouTube, Google+, Instagram, and Tumblr, millennial moms were far more active. Um, and they had more online personas that were a little bit more disparate than their Gen X counterparts. They were also four times – they they tended to have, or on average had four times more Instagram followers and five times more Tumblr followers than their Gen X counterparts. So they're early adopters of a lot of the newer networks, um, and they're also starting to – some are starting to – Get, let go a bit of some of the platforms that have been around for longer as they begin to experiment with new stuff. So Instagram maybe has, has taken a bit um, of a bit of the activity that may formerly have been with Facebook for millennial moms while well, they're still very active on Facebook. So not to say that Facebook's going anywhere for them, <laughs> but they are more likely to start to integrate these new newer things or newer platforms. Um, And then when when we looked at um, working moms or moms who are employed by a third party um, working outside the home or inside the home, we found that they had just larger networks across the boards. So not surprisingly, they lead on LinkedIn of all the sub-segments we looked at. um, Working moms have the most contacts and are the most productive on LinkedIn. They also, somewhat surprisingly to me, um, dominate on Facebook and have 36% 36 more friends than and their stay-at-home mom counterparts. That's not too surprising if you look at the intersecting social circles that working moms ma- maintain. Um, but they are, you know, also have you know significantly more Twitter followers, about twice the number of Twitter followers, and four times the Instagram followers. Um, and then not so surprising, about fifteen times the number of Google Plus uh, contacts. Right. So, so yeah. So the, it, it really looks like millennials and working moms are our two. Hyperactive um, social connecting groups.
1: Yeah, and that that really does make sense. But it and you kind of talked about this a little bit earlier about the social content itself, though also mm. shifting a little bit. You know, with um, say at home moms being a little bit more focused on posting around their family, for example. Mm-hmm. Can you dig a little bit deeper into the the content across your four groups?
3: Sure. We saw so again. You know, not not too surprising that. Um, the, the, the most likely to publish pictures of kids um, were, were stay-at-home moms. Um, they were also much more likely than working moms um, to publish uh, uh, pictures of friends and significant others, so kind of that just that friends and family being really the their um, daily experience. Um, what I, th- I found interesting is that um, working moms were twice as likely to publish Pictures of food that they had made themselves, that they prepared themselves, maybe in a sense of kind of showing like I'm still, I'm still making dinner even though I'm working or I'm out of, out of town or what, what have you. I'm still making dinner. So there might be a little bit of you know, desire to show that that's, you know, still part of their life. We also saw between, another interesting one was, um, looking at the propensity to to publish selfies or photos of Mm. self um, was stronger among millennial moms by a long shot than Generation Xers. So the sort of, the the, and millennial moms tended to keep up, continue to, after having kids, continue to publish pictures of friends and of themselves um, while Xers converted very much to publishing photos of their kids over photos of themselves or friends. So those are some of the things we found interesting this is
1: fascinating really and uh, and there's reasons behind all of this right I mean it makes
3: it does
1: make sense, but it is pretty pretty fascinating um and you've talked a little bit about brands, clearly those that group that's irritated with brands yet those that are following mm-hmm. brands are really engaged with brands so at the end of the day like We'll be, if we want to wrap this up with a really big red, sure. photo, what What's the takeaway for brands as they look at engaging millennials, Gen Xers, stay-at-home moms, and working moms? Like, what are kind of the the tips, if you will, um, that they can mm-hmm. apply here?
3: Well, I think that um, I think that that you're you're. Your hyperactive millennial mom is a really critical social conduit because she has so many connections and she is such a strong propagator of the brands that she loves. So, but, but she's also, you know, really vocal if she feels that a brand or any kind of message has reached her um, without relevance or has, you know, wasted her time. Um, so I would say when you're focused on millennial moms, so, you know, those born between around nineteen eighty and two thousand, um, that I'd focus on the utility to them um, and really focus on understand on on your relevance point. And relevance can be everything from, you know, where do they live and, and what how many kids do they have in the home to what time time of day is it? So, you know, publishing recipes, we found that Um, You know, many of our moms start looking for deciding what they're going to cook for dinner that night at 4 p.m. So there's there are day parts to consider, but relevance mapping is particularly important with millennial moms. And then um, Gen X moms are more loyal, and if they love a brand, they're very willing to hear from that brand on a regular basis. They tend to define themselves through brands in many cases that they've known for a long time or that that they've trusted, you know, over sort of you know, decades, and so that's another important one. And then stay-at-home moms um, really are... You know, extremely open to um, interacting with brands in that they, in, in one particular way, which is that they are the number one deal hunters. Mm-hmm. So uh, perhaps, again, you know, like I, we, 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 we haven't done all of the sort of interpretation of these um, findings, but, you know, perhaps because the stay-at-home mom is not making um, a regular salary, she feels particularly eager to contribute to the, you know, the family's economics by finding really great deals. She's much more likely to invest time um, in order to find the best deal for her family so there's a lot that can be done there as well um, I, that's 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 kind of what I would that's what I would leave yeah. you with. <laughs> no,
1: those are all great insights and very applicable, too, for listeners today. And Good. I do want to encourage everyone to go on to SheKnows.com. If you haven't been on before, you definitely need to get on there and get engaged. And, Samantha, thank you for being on today to share your time from me. the me. I
3: paper. appreciate it, Maria. Thank yeah. you.
1: <laughs> and, Samantha, we'll come back in September. I'm excited to have you back on, Samantha. We'll be talking about a dynamic new initiative called Hatch, which is aimed at tweens, another Extremely dynamic and powerful demographic of consumers in this country. So really excited to have you back, Samantha, you. in September.
0: Thanks, uh, okay. and
1: thanks to my producer George. And join me right here next week at three o'clock Eastern Time for another edition of First Strings. And until then, make it a great one.